This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Happy Friday. It's the hardest working woman in YouTube, Kim McAllister. You know, by the time we get to the After Party live, I feel like... I've made it. I can do anything. I made it through through the, you know, the 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 whole morning, and here we are back to the fun stuff. So this is well, good maybe because the expectations are lower here. <laughs> As Albert says, the bar is set very low. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, we work hard to come up with good content and stuff for the show. I'm proud of yeah. it. it. Takes a lot of work to look this unorganized. Me gusta mucho the after party live. <laughs> well, we um, have a strong Mark Thompson lead in. We do. It, it's it's yeah. pretty powerful. I, I, I was, have to be sure to mention that because he's watching today. Oh, is he watching today? Yeah. Oh, we love Mark Thompson. Oh, boy. That's the best show on YouTube. That um, didn't sound sincere, Kim. I, it's the truth. I feel like I need to mention the story that just popped up on SF Gate. It's a story out of Sonoma County. And tell me what you think about this one. Okay. The Sonoma County District Attorney's Office just pulled this advertisement off of its website that had warned kids about overdosing on fentanyl, um, the kids overdosing on fentanyl. The A journalist approached the office with evidence that the central piece of this advertisement in the PSA never happened, okay? The story comes out of Northern California public media. The ad warned families about the supposed risks of fentanyl, and it featured this woman named Lisa saying she'd been at a playground where her six-year-old daughter found and touched a pile of um, synthetic opioid fentanyl, causing her to fall down and go limp. Mm. Never happened. Based on something that Mm. never even happened. So the journalist approaches the Sonoma County DA and says, this is not based on a true story. They admit it's not based on a true story, and then they pull it from their website. Do you think that advertisements have to be based on a true story? Or if it's a PSA that even if it could happen, yeah, or if it happens somewhere else, or do we need to be honest and forthcoming about what we're, you know, telling people? Since is we're being story? precise, it's not an advertisement. They're not advertising PSA, for fentanyl. Public service, enough. <laughs> right. um, but uh, if it's not true, then uh, yeah, I think you need to recut it. You need to redo it. You need to be authentic. You shouldn't be telling people things based on uh, untruths. So you want them to believe what you're right. saying, right? So you need credible material. Facts matter, Kim. You think? At least have something on the the PSA that says, um, you know, story not based on true events or something. No, I mean, because they they presented it as if it were true. Like, you can't come back and just say, just kidding, this is not true. They should cut that out and then just make it a sincere public service announcement. Yeah, I'd say cut that out. If it's also if it's posted on the on a, an official website a website like the Sonoma County right. District Attorney's Office, you would think that's factual, right? Because right, you need to be credible, who, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, especially when you're dealing with law, you don't want uh, people playing fast and loose. I have the Debbie Downer story. I don't oh. know if you saw this headline: Macy's to lay off thousands of workers, oh. and they will close the San Leandro location. So that's at Bayfair. Yeah, um, they do it every yeah. couple. Of, it seems like every year, every couple of years, they do this they to them all the time. It's true. I don't know why they do it. Actually, I do know why they do it. Uh, the closure comes as part of a restructuring effort that will include a layoff of three and a half percent of the company's workforce. Mm-hmm. According to Macy's, at Macy's, we continue to reposition our store fleet. 
<laughs> fleet, <laughs> <laughs> like they get up and move around to better meet the needs of our customers in each of our markets. I just love that corporate BS speak. Yep. To better meet your needs, we are closing a location. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. Um, to better meet our needs. After careful consideration, we have decided to close the Bayfair Center store. Um, it's one of um, one of five, including two in California, that the company is shuttering to cut, uh, cut operating costs. According to the Wall Street Journal, other soon-to-be-closed stores include Simi Valley, Virginia, Hawaii, and Florida. Employees have been notified of the closures and layoffs. A spokesperson confirmed eligible employees will be able to get a severance package or a position at a different store. Um, 2,350 employees will be impacted. Um, yeah, just another another story about uh, closures, retail stores. Yeah. I have a friend who worked for Macy's. She was in um, shortage control and she would do audits for the stores. You should walk mm -hmm. into them like, you know, do you have everything that needs to be behind glass, behind glass? And, you know, looking at, at the numbers as far as how many things have been stolen, that type of thing. Right. She was laid off twice, laid off once, hired back and then laid off again. And now she actually works for a different company. But it's brutal every time they do this to people, you know, and it, it's. If, it, if these layoffs come every year, it's kind of becomes like radio. Like, you know, we have a joke where in radio, you know, it, it's every day is a good day. Every day that you get a, that you're, you manage to show up to work and the door's not locked is yeah. a good day because you never know when you're going to get. Well, and that was, that was before the economy went in the tank in terms of radio. Yeah. Radio has always been unstable, but a job at Macy's, you think. And the people working there. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Um, another story I wanted to bet we, my lunch, there was alcohol involved. Yes, there was. Before we jump into our animal news, I wanted to tell you that there's something coming back to Waikiki. Been gone for two decades. So if you like to go to Hawaii or maybe you're planning a trip or what have you, there's this traditional hula show. It's formerly known as the Kodak Hula Show. It's kind of a big deal. Um, it's now called the Kilohana Hula Show, and it is going to make its debut at the Waikiki Shell on February 15th. Oh, after two decades, that show February. returns and is coming back. Yes. Very nice. Little hula. Little hula for everybody. Little hula, hula news. Hula, hula. Let's talk about this piggy pig. Oink, oink, oink. It's no day for the pig. Yeah, there's no name for this guy. He doesn't given a name but or she i think i see teats. is it a she oh <laughs> sorry the, teats, yeah. the name for this this girl this porker hey girl but here's what i can tell you she was in a trailer in kentucky and doesn't get much worse than that ma managed to find her way out now who knows what was where the trailer was headed for right but she's in this trailer in richmond kentucky and she escaped and it was a snowy day. And so look at her there, right near the Shell gas station. And there she is playing in the snow, Aww. enjoying it. The uh, police put a post on their social media saying, kids aren't the only one who love a snow day. And they shared pig photos of the pig with its snout covered in snow as it played here near this gas station. They did corral her uh, and reunite her with the owner. And then... Yeah. They got some pictures out of it. Look at this. The officer's posing with the pig. This is funny. You know, Except she just the one got officer out. in the back who did not want to participate. No, he's like, leave me out of it. 
<laughs> but yeah, pig in the snow. Can you imagine that call? Uh, yeah, I've got a, yeah. a pig loose in the snow by the shawl station. What? I like to think that the pig they they only refer to the owner, right? They don't they don't mention the fate of the pig. So I'm I'm no. hoping that she lives on a on a farm as a, like a pet. Um, but that's wishful thinking. No, maybe she was uh you know on the trailer bound for sale. Who knows? Yeah, and if that's the case, at least she got one free one day of freedom. Um, yeah. To play in the, the snow more and think hang about out. It, the more I feel bad about animals, oh, it's just like they're I smart know. and they're caring and they're kind and they have emotions. Trust me, my animal has emotions. <laughs> Big <laughs> so emotions. The only thing that really <laughs> separates us from them is you know the ability to speak. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there we go. Um, this next story, this seems to come around every year. Uh, zoos are offering roach naming rights and hippo poop candles for valentine's day Ew. that's right zoos in new york and texas are offering the love struck and the lovelorn the opportunity to buy some unusual valentine's day gifts naming rights for cockroaches i would have thought the cockroach naming would be for exes yeah not valentine's you know, day. i would think so too yeah the, the new Bronx... name cockroach after the guy who cheated on you and right. left you high yeah. and dry yeah. or the girl woman whatever that like that happens <sighs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sexist, I know what happens. I'm just saying. The, party. the, uh, the Bronx Zoo <laughs> said romantically linked patrons can uh, pay to have a Madagascar hissing cockroach named after their valentine with other gift packages, including roach socks, as you can see there, stuffed roaches, and a virtual roach encounter. What? You mm. don't always have the right words, but you can still give them goosebumps. Name a roach furry valentine because roaches are forever, said the zoo on its website. <laughs> yeah, Meanwhile, the San Antonio Zoo is taking a different approach with its Crimea Cockroach fundraiser. The program allows jilted patrons to pay to have a roach, rat, or vegetable named for their ex-lovers before the chosen recipient of the moniker is fed to the zoo uh, to another oh, zoo animal. That's pretty good. Yep. Symbolically, name a, a roach, a rat, or a veggie after your ex. See, this is where I <laughs> I, I would have gone with, right? Yep. Or not so special someone, and the San Antonio Zoo will help squash your past. <laughs> a true heartbreak healer by feeding your selection to an animal resident. The uh, San Antonio Zoo is also offering a candle bearing the scent of hippo poop as Ew. a potential Valentine's Day gift for that special someone. Or for that ex, you know? Yep. Here's the, a the flaming said, pile of crap for you. The zoo said poop is the cologne of the hippo world and is used to impress <laughs> potential mates. Uh, the candles made by the Stinky Candle Company, can you imagine Gross. working there, Ugh. are specifically scented to resemble the odor of the dung dropped by Timothy, the zoo's male hippo. That oh, is wow, nasty. Very, that is very specific. Mm. Oddly specific. Two roach stories. I used to have an apartment in Davis and... Davis is very hot in the summer and they yeah. have these big cockroaches that come out and there was a vent above the toilet in this apartment mm -hmm. and cockroaches would drop out of it right while above the toilet while you were sitting there. Yes. Didn't happen to me because okay. it happened to my roommate. And so I took some foil mm. and I, so we didn't use the, the fan in there anymore because so would gross. you rather have a fan or would you rather have a closed area that cockroaches can't yeah, drop on you while gross. you're sitting on the toilet? So gross, I took gross, some gross. foil and I blocked off that whole vent so they couldn't get through. So gross. You'd walk outside and there'd be cockroaches all over the sidewalk. I was once at the San Diego Zoo. This is my second cockroach story for you. 
it was, and speaking of Madagascar hissing cockroaches, this guy was on stage and he was doing this big presentation with Madagascar hissing cockroaches. Sorry, knocking my microphone over. And he was looking for a volunteer of the, in the audience. And he pointed at me and said, you come hold this Madagascar hissing cockroach. And there I am not wanting at all to hold this Madagascar right. hissing cockroach, but my kids are there uh. and he's on stage and I'm thinking, how can I like get out of this? But I end up being pressured into it. And he puts this cockroach in my hand. It was so gross. I couldn't yeah, wait to get it out of my hand. Pressured. I did. I felt the peer pressure of that. Yeah. Uh, Square asks, Stinky Candle Factory, is it a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow firm? <laughs> no, it should be, though. <laughs> That's a different kind of stinky candle. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, we need to uh, say thank you. To our favorite West tea. Oh, happy Friday, West. My favorite West. kind of tea is a West tea. Thank, Thank you. Thank you It all adds West. up, and uh, you've given quite generously. And speaking of people who love animals, uh, Wes has recently tried to help an animal that oh. um, in his community. And so just an all-around nice guy. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. Let's talk about cows. Dozens mm. of estate escaped cows. Roam through a suburb of Victoria, Australia, and the people there woke up to find dozens of escaped cows stampeding through their neighborhoods. I always love stories like this. This is in Pakenham, which is a suburb south of Melbourne. The cows. I'm sure the, I'm sure the cows are glad that they're packing ham and not packing cow. Pack, pack and ham, pack and ham. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, the cows were first spotted just before four in the morning, and then they split off into smaller groups and spread around town, making them even harder to capture. Officers were eventually able to corral all of the loose cows by about 8.30 in the morning. It turns out they escaped from a property nearby, and they were in uh, various spots around town until they could be carted home by their owner. But here's what it looked like. Cows about town. Homeowners in Pakenham have woken to find cows grazing in their front yards. The wayward herd escaped from a farm during the night and was scattered throughout suburban streets. Their adventure started around three o'clock this morning. Where did they come from? Under the cover of night, the herd made its way from a farm on the outskirts of Pakenham towards suburbia. They're, they're along the whole road. Obviously, you've got your kangaroos and your rabbits on the road, but no cows. Definitely a first for me. Something must have spooked something, them during the night because they've, just, they've the just smashed smashed the post down at the ground. The cows travelled around eight kilometres over several hours. Dangerous for everybody else as well. If you don't want to hit one with your calf. Spotted near shops, in parks, at cultural centres and taking refuge in front gardens. Poor babies. We just saw three cows in their front yard and it's a bit weird. Most people want to go on a farm stay. Well, they wanted to go on a suburbia stay. It took until 9am for the owners to track down the cows, a total of around 50, even if it felt like more to witnesses. According to uh, all the reports, there were about 200 which is twice as many of us were in the paddock. The cows were scattered around the area, the owners using yards like this to keep them together before they could be driven home. If we could have left them here and they would have done it, we would have done a service to the community by uh, having them eat down the grass. Sarah Jane Bell, 7 News. That's a, so cute. <laughs> a bit weird, a bit weird all over the road. I had a hard time understanding the farmers. Everybody else I understood. Yeah. But yeah. I love the accent. Funny. 
Yeah, I love it too. Uh, let's talk about Chat GPT. Apparently, yeah, you know me. It's yeah, Chat Chat GPT. Uh, I guess it's gonna evolve in ways that maybe are gonna be weird to us before it's everything settles down. Yeah, um, this is an exclusive at Axios. Altman says Chat GPT uh, will have to evolve in uncomfortable ways. Um, OpenAI's next big model will be able to do a lot, a lot more, says the uh, CEO there on the left, uh, who was fired and then rehired, Sam Altman, uh, in an interview at Davos on Wednesday. Uh, Altman told Axios, Axios uh, Ina Freed that AI is evolving much more rapidly than previous technologies that took Silicon Valley by storm. Uh, but he also conceded that the evolution and proliferation of OpenAI's technology will require uncomfortable decisions. He believes future AI products will need to allow quite a lot of individual customization, and that's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable because AI will give different answers for different users based on their value preferences and possibly on what country they reside in. If the country said, you know, all gay people should be killed on site, then no. Well, that's out of bounds, Altman told Axios. But there are probably other things that I don't personally agree with, but in a different culture might. We have to be somewhat uncomfortable as a tool builder with some of the uses of our tools. Asked if future mm. versions of OpenAI products might answer a question differently in different countries based on that country's values, Altman said, it will be different for users with different values. The country's issue, I think, is somewhat less important. Um, we're headed towards a new way of doing knowledge work, he said. Um, soon you might just be able to say, what are my most important emails today? And have AI summarize them. He says AI advances will help vastly accelerate the rate of scientific discovery, but he doesn't expect that to happen this year. Uh, but it will happen, and when it does, it's a big, big deal. He said the top priority right now is launching their new model, uh, likely to be called Ch uh, ChatGPT5. And he admitted that he's nervous about the AI's impact on elections around the world this year, but was defensive about OpenAI's investment in that area. He said he wanted to avoid fighting the last war on election misinformation. Um, in recent weeks, OpenAI has announced it would ramp up efforts to reduce misinformation and abuse of its models related to more than 60 elections taking place around the world this year. He didn't specify how many OpenAI staff would work on election troubleshooting, but he rejected the idea that simply having a large election team would solve the problem. OpenAI has far fewer people devoted to election security than companies like Meta and TikTok. Um, yeah, so he says there's no update on whether his close associate and OpenAI founder, uh, Ilya Skutskiva, is uh, returning to the company in a senior role after he resigned in the wake of the board debacle or debacle. Hmm. <laughs> Shout out to Mark. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Altman admitted that he isn't sure on the exact status of uh, his former co-worker's employment. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of drama around this open AI. Maybe they should yeah. ask open AI what, what it thinks. What it thinks is going to happen. Who should be my CEO? Well, well, that's an easy question. I from, should be my own CEO. From open AI to the Goog, uh, Google, yeah, and you kind of knew this, right? That, that Google's lying to you? That Google's lying to you, that when Allegedly. they have this thing called incognito mode, right? So there's right. a regular Chrome browser, and then you can open up a Chrome browser incognito. And supposedly, the whole point of being incognito is that you're hidden. They can't track what you're looking at. Um, maybe you don't want the advertisements, but you know you're gonna, you wanted to look up something like, what does this word mean? But you don't necessarily, you know, or maybe you don't want someone to know your health business. So you're looking up a health thing. I don't know. Maybe you're looking up naked pictures. I don't know. But Google's or Maybe Chrome, you're doing, quote, research. Maybe you're doing research. For um, a book. The incognito is not necessarily as private as it might sound. Users 
often thought otherwise because of the name. Incognito, right? Means you're hidden. But there's this pending $5 billion class action lawsuit settlement. And now because of this, Google, Google, the Goog, as I like to call it, is beginning to clarify its data usage policies so they can tell you and be honest with you <laughs> that they truly are monitoring your internet activity, even if you are in incognito mode. Okay, so they quietly updated Incognito's start page in the Chrome developer channel. Um, and it's uh, it says, now you can browse privately and other people who use this device won't see your activity. However, downloads, bookmarks, and reading list items will be saved. Switching to the private browsing tab while in this other website called Canary, which I guess um, Canary is... Uh, a developer channel that a lot of developers use. So they say, um, others who use this device won't see your activity, so you can browse more privately. This won't change, how, though, how data is collected by websites you visit and the services they use, including Google downloads, bookmarks, reading lists will be saved. It just note that you think you're incognito. No, you're really not incognito. Maybe it has sold. more privacies, but not really. And another Google story comes out today. They have unveiled a new way to search. And you just mentioned AI, and that is what this is about. Yesterday, Google announced new AI tools, two of them. It says will make searching things online radically more helpful. They say mobile users accessing Google on some Android phones will soon be able to circle or highlight items that appear on their smartphone screens to populate more information and ask complicated or even nuanced questions about what that image is or what that text represents. Uh, the company says it's been testing these new tools to see how generative AI can make search more personalized and intuitive. The features were first teased during Samsung's Unpacked event earlier this week. They're first coming to the Galaxy S24 smartphone lineup later this month. Uh, but, you know, we're going to, then we'll see them on Pixel probably. And then the Pixel 8 Pro in January. The first feature called Circle to Search allows an Android user to circle, tap, and highlight or scribble on pictures, videos, or text to learn more about what they see. That's how easy it will be to search something or find out more about it. I'll right? have to wait until Apple um, copies their technology and then claims it's brand new. <laughs> That's right. Calvin Wong says, how to poison without being caught. <laughs> yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't search for Not that. Not so incognito. You're on the after party live. Uh, William no. uh, Martinez mentioning DuckDuckGo. Yeah, if you want a real private browser, that's you duck, know duck, what? Go. No, I disagree because I've I and I I used to use that one for that very reason. And then comes a story from from MSN. DuckDuckGo isn't necessarily as private as you think it is as well. They all are lying to you, all of them. Um, I'll be interested to find out what what, what they're referring to because they do not. They say they do not track you. They still sell ads, but they're not customized, which is much different. You know, yeah. if they're not tracking your specific websites. I have but to look up the story. It came out sometime last year. Right. But apparently DuckDuckGo privacy isn't as at all that it's cracked up. But to if you're either. into having privacy, that's probably your best option mm. right now. Um, there you go. Better than incognito, probably. Yeah. Well, don't yeah. trust technology or the yeah. people behind technology, I should say. My <laughs> sister used to be a, an attorney for Google and they had their, their initial, um, what do you call it, uh, company's motto. 
yeah. was on the wall inside the legal office, right? Don't be evil. Mm-hmm. Don't be evil. And they yeah. used to joke about it. They would just laugh at it. And then eventually they changed it to something that's very, like, there was a lot of verbiage, but it was something to the effect of like, do no evil when possible. Yeah. Like void, <laughs> void war prohibited. Sorry, New Jersey. It was something like that. Because they used to lie. They used to, well, they used to lie because they're lawyers. Um, they used to joke about that. So I thought yeah. that was funny. That's pretty good. Um, multicultural Americans, we see stories about this all the time, um, are to become the majority population by 2050, according to uh, a new report. A new analysis has found that minority Americans will make up that majority by 2050 using data from the American Community Survey. Uh, Collage Group found that since 2021, America's multicultural population has increased by 4 million people. About 192 million white Americans make up about 58% of the population. Black, Hispanic, Asian, and other races account for 141, according to the group's report. By 2050, Hispanic Americans are expected to have the most population growth, uh, growth um, an increase of about 6%, while the white population is expected to decrease by 11%. Um, so uh, supporters of Trump and politicians might want to stop being racist towards Latinos because you're going to be voted out of office. Um, the, gro- the growth in multicultural populations in the U.S., mean that these segments wield immense influence. Their desire for diverse perspectives and a deep understanding of their cultural identity by brands and organizations will be uh, ever more critical in the future. Um, the reasons behind the changes vary. For instance, the growth in the Asian American population is mostly attributed to immigration. The report also broke down different characteristics and viewpoints of the growing multicultural population. And these population changes could impact political outcomes. More than 30% Each of Hispanic, Black, and Asian Americans reported that they identify as liberal in their political views. Black Americans were most likely to say, with 37% identifying as liberal. But the demographic change could also mean an increase in the need for foreign language services. While most Hispanics speak English proficiently, more than two-thirds speak Spanish at home. 9% of Black Americans speak non-English at home, and 68% of Asian Americans speak a non-English language at home. The growth is spurring cultural transformation faster than originally projected, and brands will now need to speak to cultural diversity at an even more granular and nuanced level. So that's interesting. Hmm. Um, back to DuckDuckGo for just a minute. There's a story that came out in May of 2022, and the headline reads, DuckDuckGo caught giving Microsoft permission for trackers despite a strong privacy reputation. So, mm. I mean, they again, they I think they all have something. Which one's better than the others? Probably DuckDuckGo. They're probably better than Google. Because uh, Google's whole, um, although we're, we're so demonetized because they own YouTube. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, their whole business model is, is, is based on uh, selling your information. Right. Yeah. When you have Gmail, they they use the content of, of your emails. Um, I got customized um, ads last night where I was like, ah, that was an accidental Google search. And I know that that was based off yeah. of Google search because it's like all of a sudden I'm getting weird ads. Yep. Yeah. Watch out what you Google for. Apparently DuckDuckGo blocks Google and Facebook trackers, but allows Microsoft trackers to continue running. Um so but I think be, well, yeah. they probably rectified that by now. I think Bing is um, one of the um, yeah. one of the sources that uh, DuckDuckGo uses for information, right? Because they don't yeah. use Google; they use Bing, but yeah. they use a they do use a very uh, a varied um, number of uh, sources for their information, their search results. Let's talk about one of the best places to work if you're looking for a job, and maybe if you don't, you know, mind a little fast food work, In and Out 
is apparently one Ooh. of the best places to work. Who knew that this was the case? Hey, I see you. <laughs> eat it. Eat it all up. You take a, you grab a fry while you're at it. Um, yeah, this is, a, of course, our California-based company, in and out I think of them as the religious company. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they have the scripture on the bottom of the cup and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, John 316. Yeah, and their um their CEO is very uh, Republican-y, right? But nevertheless, well, you would be too if you're born into that family. Yes, so this is a really good place to work. This new study comes out of Glassdoor. In and Out takes the sixth spot on Glassdoor 2024 best places to work list of large United States based companies. Um, this all comes from Glassdoor user reviews. In and Out was the only fast food restaurant that ranked within the top 100 best places to work and ranked higher than companies like Google, Microsoft, and Apple, which is a shocker because you think those companies that maybe have been pared down a little bit but still have perks, the payers, pay is good. Well, yeah. um, about 85% of in and out employees who left Glassdoor reviews would recommend the job to a friend. 92% approved of the company's CEO even as well. So in and out gets, uh, gets some good. That's what a burger is all about. You are perfectly positioned to eat that fry right there. <laughs> How about this picture? Oh, oh, we covered you up. No, oh. <laughs> this is from the uh, the coming video. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate uh, that. The best places to work list. Yeah, you can find it on glassdoor.com. Uh, and again, you know, in and out, there's in and outs in every city, and there's always a line. Yeah. Always a line. People are always wanting to go to In and Out. So, well, yeah. they do. They make one product basically, mm -hmm. and they do it well. Yeah. And um, if you look at that photo, that's probably the closest between photo and reality in terms of fast food that you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. Right. The burger might be. It won't be as like pretty. It'll be kind of smushed up in a wrapper, but it actually looks like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like I got a burger. I think it was like Jack in a Box, and it looked you know, big, right? It wasn't their tiny burger, it was the big burger. But when you get it, it's like shriveled up. The meat's like inside the patty. It's all like smashed. It looks like it, you know, yeah. it was sold at a, a grocery outlet or something. Ew. <laughs> so here's the top, I'll do the top six because in and outs the top si as the right. number six. Number one is Bain and Company. Never heard of it. I haven't either. Uh, number two is NVIDIA. And of course their stock was going through the roof. Number three is called ServiceNow. They have a high oh, yeah, morale, yeah. growth opportunities, and great work-life balance. Yeah, Math yeah. Number four is MathWorks. Supportive okay. colleagues, good work-life balance, fair compensation, the option to work from home at MathWorks. Number five is Procore Technologies. They say it's a great company with a long-term vision for success. Uh, number six is in and out they say vision, dental insurance, legal advice, sick vacation pay, profit sharing via 401k and insurance, and you get training. They loved it. Seven, VMware. Eight, Dell Tech. Uh, nine is 2020 companies. And 10 is Fidelity Investments. So Bain and Companies actually in San Francisco. It's a top management consulting firm, strategy, marketing, organization, operations, IT, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Well, and it's, it's in the Salesforce Tower. It's oh, okay. It's the best place to work in 2024. 
Well, besides uh, YouTube. Right? Besides here on YouTube. Yeah, That's right. Exactly. Um, speaking of places uh, <laughs> probably that you don't want to work at. Oh, no. The Catholic Church. Uh-oh. The Pope says sexual pleasure is a gift from God. Good but job. Catholic, but Catholic... <laughs> But Catholics must avoid pornography. Oh. Pope Francis said, the pontiff made the remarks during a, a catechesis. Catechesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're the Catholic. I don't know. You figure like it out. Catechism. Well, it's Latin. Okay. Like catechism yeah. would be catechism. You know, they, um, we used to call it catechism. It was called CCD, which was like, uh, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was an acronym for the Latin. They changed it when I was in uh, high or, uh, junior high because people didn't understand it. Parents didn't know what it meant. So instead of educating people, they just changed it to PSR, Parish School of Religion, which oh. I, at the time, I thought was like lame. Um, the pontiff made the remarks during the catechesis <laughs> devoted to the vice of lust, the vice of lust at his general audience in uh, St. Peter's Square on Wednesday. That, uh, that was the uh, uh, that was uh, his, uh, you know, his big event, mm-hmm. right? his big uh He's got these like concerts, these rock concerts where you show oh, up and yeah. <laughs> he's got the matinee performance, right? Like a Catholic so, rally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like a Trump rally, but yeah. more Catholic and yeah. like uh, not lying about God. Uh, sexual pleasure was something to be che- is something to be cherished, he said, uh, but it was being undermined by pornography. How and would he know? That's the question. A relationship. Uh, I'm sure he knows. He's a sinner, too. Satisfaction without a relationship can generate forms of addiction. We must defend love, the Pope said, but he added, winning against the battle of lust can be a lifelong undertaking. And doesn't the Catholic Church know that? So uh, Catholics must avoid pornography and diddling boys. Oh, you added that last part, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah. he didn't say that, but he should have. Uh, No porn for Catholics. Well, okay, I'm sure that a lot of people... I'd rather the Catholics uh, view the porn than diddle uh, kids. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to get demonetized in a big way, but that's okay. okay. And if we weren't already, murder, 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 murder. Yeah, um, there you go. Just kidding. So when we come back, we'll talk about the most expensive place you can open a restaurant. I think we can all imagine what that will be. Also, uh, there's a guy who who's suing his former dates because they went on the internet and said some things that were kind of maybe not so favorable to him. Yeah. (laughs) And it's crazy what you can find on Facebook marketplace case in point coming up right now, though, let's take a little break. It is the after party live. Hey, everybody. It's your friend, Satan. Love me or hate me. The after party live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you could contribute 10, 15, $20, it would keep this party very, very hot and heavy. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up, isn't that the truth? The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. I know what you're thinking, why should I be tempted by the devil, but come on guys, it's not like I'm asking you for your soul. <laughs> a party where you don't even have to leave the house you could be naked for all we care the after party live i love that one and i love that it came right after the catholic story that couldn't uh, there's no connection there whatsoever no it's just total accident it's good stuff 
Thank you to our ongoing contributor, Brian B. and Jim L. Thank you so much for helping support the After Party Live. Big thanks to Wes, always supporting us, always so kind and thoughtful, jumping in with a $5 super sticker. As yeah. you can see, the super chat super stickers open here on the After Party Live, and you'll find the PayPal information on our show description. So it's right at the bottom yeah. there. Yeah. And uh, when we get demonetized, that means we lose the 200 or so just 200, 200 pennies, 200. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, uh, maybe too much caffeine today, John, uh, mm -hmm. $2 and 50 cents, $3 in ad yeah. revenue. So it's not like a yeah. major source of income. Um, that's why if it's worth it, we'll demonetize ourselves just for the, yeah. you know, the content's sake. Um, Karen says, you gave me a laugh when I really needed it. Thank you, John. Well, you, oh, thank you, Karen. Thank you, thank you for thank showing you up. Uh, donors are awesome. I think so. Right? Yeah, donors are awesome. Uh, now, um, Heather wants Archie's meow through the Satan filter. Okay, let's see. I'll have to arrange that. Yeah. Archie doesn't work for cheap, though. He works at, you know, at least for scale. Oh, she wants actual art. Oh, you're going to have to tape that. Uh, Yeah, or have him do it live. Yeah. Oh, that'll yeah. be interesting. Well, we'll see. Anyway. We'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. Thank you again, you guys, for um for all the help. We really appreciate you. All of you. And we need the help. So a lot help. of people think maybe their dream is to open a restaurant, you know, don't, don't do it. have their own place of business, start something that's just their own, help their community, mm -hmm. do all these lovely things. Well, if you're trying to do it in California, it's the hardest state to open a restaurant in the entire United States. This new study was conducted by the restaurant furniture folks. <laughs> and the study, yeah, restaurant furniture. They did this study. They analyzed various costs that a restaurant owner would need to spend in one year to run a restaurant, like the rent per square foot of the commercial space, annual food service, permit cost, annual liquor license cost, state sales tax rate, state corporate tax rate, employee minimum wage. You kind of get the idea. Yeah. They turned the data into scores from one to 10 where the highest scores would mean the better results. California is the worst. It's the most expensive state to open a restaurant, followed by California New York. is like the worst. The worst. And OMG. like the worst by a lot. The worst by a lot. I mean, it's bad. It's um, annual food service permit cost is $809. That is like double everybody else. So um, our score out of 100 is 28.04. So we're the, we're the worst. New York, 28.39, not so far behind. Colorado, their score, their number three and their score is 40.02. Uh, Illinois is fourth. Arizona is fifth. Alaska, sixth, seventh worst place to open a restaurant, New Jersey. New Mexico, eight, Hawaii, number nine, and the state of Washington is number 10. So if you're thinking of opening up a, a restaurant, maybe that's not the best spot. To, those are well, not you the know who spot. could afford to pay all those fees. Who? This restaurant. You what is that this place? restaurant, right? Mm, no? I do not. No. You know who would recognize it? Governor Gavin Newsom. Oh, is that the the French Laundry? I know, right? Look yeah, at that. Never been there. Yeah, it just looks expensive. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. That's um, all right. Well, unless uh, you know, you're governor and you're not wearing a mask during COVID. No. Um, a man has sued X states for seventy five million dollars over 
negative Facebook reviews calling him clingy. Mm. Well, then mm. don't be clingy. How about that? Nico D'Ambrosio, uh, 32, claims these women have harmed his reputation by posting negative comments about him on a private Facebook group, which has become a space where women can critique their dates. This man from Chicago is taking legal action against 27 women. Wow, he gets around. And demanding $75 million in damages after they wrote some less than desirable reviews about him on a Facebook page called, Are We Dating the Same Guy? <laughs> Nico claims these women have harmed his reputation, uh, which uh, on this Facebook group, and uh, they're repeating the same thing, uh, on this, this page that uh, wonders out loud if boyfriends are cheating and simply talk about their bad dates. According to the lawsuit filed in the Northern District of Illinois, his name and photo were shared on this page, leading to defamation, doxing, and invasion of privacy. The defendants broadcast their outrageous, cruel, and malicious lies about the plaintiff with knowledge that the statements were false or with reckless disregard as to whether or not they were true, the complaint reads. Well, if, every, if all the ladies that have dated him are saying the same thing... Right. They're all hello. lying, obviously. Yeah. Additionally, uh, another man and Facebook's uh, parent company, Meta, are also named in the lawsuit... The Facebook group describes itself as a community of red flag awareness groups across the country where women empower each other and keep each other safe from toxic men. Mm. According to yeah. the lawsuit, the woman who made the original post yeah. used her real name, but later deleted it, reposting it anon anonymously on the group's page after his lawyers called her and asked her to take it down. The lawsuit alleges that the page has subgroups across the country that allow users to attack the character of men that they've met online. Uh, thousands of men have potentially been defamed by members of the group via these online publications and remain entirely unaware of their attackers, uh, on the uh, unaware of the attacks on their character yeah. as a result of the social media group's private status and heavily moderated members list. Okay, well, I'm not sorry for him, but I am <laughs> happy that Beth Farmer has kicked in 20 bucks to the after Beth party live. Farmer, thank happy you, Beth Friday Farmer. to you. Woohoo! Thank you for that. What a kind gesture. We appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. It turns Speaking out you Facebook. can really find anything on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. You know, maybe cars, tables, furniture, to toxic whatever. Men. Oh, toxic men. What about, though, a pair of fairies? Giant fairy ships. I'm glad we had that image to go up. <laughs> yeah, like, thank you. you. <laughs> I don't mean the kind that flit around from one place to the next. No, these are Columbia uh, ferry boats from British Columbia that are now on sale on Facebook Marketplace because that's where you would go to right. find a ferry boat. Please. These ferries were built for use in British Columbia in the 1990s, so they're not that old. The uh, fast cats, as they are called, were built in the 90s, but catamarans were famously over budget. They failed to meet expectations for mm. speed or efficiency that British Columbia wanted. So two of these, the two featured here, were never even used by BC ferries. The what? Explorer, one is the Explorer and one is the Discovery. Yeah, they were never put into service. They weren't suitable um, or fast enough or whatever. So British Columbia sold them to Egypt. The government of Egypt owns them what? now. Yes. Egypt left the boats vacant when they were found to be unsuitable for use in the Red Sea. Oh, wow. So British Columbia can't use them. They sell them to Egypt. Egypt's like, yeah, we thought we could use them, but nope, we can't use them. They can't handle the Red Sea. So 
You can't before, handle the Red Sea. You can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. So this, um, the uh, country of Egypt has hired an international trade consultant based in British Columbia to scrap these boats. There are three of them that they determined the vessels were still in good shape and could potentially be sold intact. So uh, they are now trying to list the items on Facebook Marketplace. That's Can you imagine paying job. somebody? Imagine <laughs> I imagine they're paying him like a million dollars or whatever to like yeah. to get rid of these, and he's like, I know where I'll go. Facebook, Facebook market. I mean, it's more, uh, hey, if somebody bar buys them, another municipality or whatever, then it's a lot cheaper than having to scrap them or yeah. whatever. So that's great. The consultant feels these ferries are nowhere near the end of their life. Um, so they have two weeks or so to market these things or Egypt will dismantle them and take the motors out and sell the aluminum. Well, if they want to sell them, maybe, um, maybe repaint the at least the front. Mm, they don't they look kind of raggedy. So did yeah. you hear what I said there? Yeah. So if they don't sell within two weeks, Egypt will dismantle them and take the motors out and sell the aluminum yeah. for scrap. That seems really wasteful. These these ferry boats were only built in the 90s and never even used. So, yeah. Well, they don't give a price, but they think that the boats could be used as ferries or converted into private yachts. Wait, they think the ferries could be used as ferries? Yeah, you could either use what? them as their intended purpose, which is a ferry boat, or convert them into private yachts. Yeah, there must be something wrong with the design. Um, I don't if, know. If, if there's, if you know, you don't have uh, well, ferry operators supposed to be the bit. built for speed and efficiency, and maybe they just didn't meet the goals that were set. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'd start our own ferry company. That's right. The after party ferries. Yeah, but we're we're painting them. Yeah. Ours are gonna be look like our logo. Right. And we're going to use the help of Luis with his demonetization offset. <laughs> hey, hey, we need all the help we can get. Woohoo! I'm telling Luis. you all the help that we can get. Happy Friday to you too, Luis. That's awesome. All right, let's do some entertainment news. We're going straight to entertainment uh, yes. and what maybe could be the evolution of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, um, that's right. The headline is SNL without Lauren Michaels. It could easily be Tina Fey, according to the creator. Um, what will happen to Saturday Night Live after season 50? Franchise creator Lauren Michaels, currently steering the veteran NBC sketch show in its 49th season, continues to be focused on celebrating the star making series next year. The executive producer told E.T. and the 2023 Emmys that he's already planning for SNL's uh, February February 2025 celebration with conversations about his potential successor expected to come before then. We're doing the 50th anniversary show in uh, fe February of 2025, so I will definitely be there for that and definitely be there until then. And then sometime before that, we'll figure out what we're going to do, he told Entertainment Tonight. Michaels has been heavily involved in the series since its creation in 1975, save for a five-year hiatus in the 1980s. The prolific producer and comedy Kingpin has not announced any plans to retire or step away from SNL. That said, speculation has been rampant for the uh, for years that Michaels, who, who turned 79 in November, who, who turned 79 in November, will see the show through its 50th season before hanging mm -hmm. it up. With that in mind, former SNL star Tina Fey, who alongside Amy Poehler took the seat on a Weekend Update uh, for a special Emmy segment on Monday, has been speculated for some time as the heir apparent to Michaels when it comes to taking over the sketch show. It could easily, t easily be Tina Fey, but you know, there are a lot of people I who are that. there I now mean, who are also, yeah. you know, uh, could be good. He said, Tina's brilliant and great at everything. She's very important um, in my life. Oh, 
I could see that. I could see her in charge of that. But she's got a lot of other creative endeavors that she does. And so I would hate to see her limited to only that. I don't know. I mean, but he he's um, he's uh, produced all those movies. Mm -hmm. uh, He's been a producer of all those movies that are uh, have had characters, you know, actors have spun off comedians have spun off of uh, SNL. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, He was actually involved in the original Mean Girls. He was executive producer. um, 30 Rock, all those spinoffs. So um, his company is called um, Broadway Video. And it's housed at Universal Television, um, which also, of course, produces SNL. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Did you know that Jodie nope. Foster turned down the role of Princess Leia? Nope, nope, nope. That would have been Star much Wars. different. Would have been totally different. Uh, she makes this revelation on Wednesday on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, saying that she had other filming commitments when she was offered the role of Princess Leia in Star Wars uh, in the 70s. She said, um, I was. She goes, they were going for a younger Princess Leia, but I had a conflict. I was doing a Disney movie and I didn't want to pull out because I was already under contract. So I didn't do it. And you know, they did an amazing job. Yes, they did. Uh, She said, I don't know how good I would have been. I might have had different hair. She said, I might have gone with the pineapple. I don't know what that is. Um, But she... Yeah, she uh, talks about her age. She just turned 60 and said the day she turned 60 was one of the best of her life. But it has to feel weird knowing you turned down such an iconic role like that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. You know what? Um, you mentioned The Tonight Show uh, with Jimmy Fallon, also, I believe, produced by uh, by Broadway Video and Lauren Michaels. Oh, look at that. He's yeah. everywhere. Uh, He's he all over the place. Yeah. And... Uh, I see that you added a story here about Patrick Schwarzenegger. He's going to be added to White Lotus. Have you been watching White Lotus? I have been, although the what are we on, going to be on season three when it comes up next? Yeah, that'll be season three. So joining the upcoming season of the award-winning series are Walton Goggins. Um, you may have recognized him from The, um, the Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, like an investigator cop. And then Patrick Schwarzenegger from uh, The Staircase. Uh, the new actors joined the recently announced. I didn't know that announced. Patrick Schwarzenegger had done any movies. That's Arnold's son, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he gifted him the uh, the uh, watch from the you know that he got. No, the I new don't. Actors uh, re- joined the recently announced cast members: Michelle Monaghan, uh, Monahan, uh, Parker Posey, Milos Bukovic, uh, Leslie Bibb, Dom Hetrichol. I haven't heard of most of these people. Yeah. Jason Isaacs and Tommy Thap Tim Tom. Oh, okay. uh, the Gilded Age star Carrie Coon will also join season three. Um, it was created and written by Mike White, who was a contestant on um, Survivor. I don't know if you ever watched that. Oh, I the didn't. It was created by a Survivor contestant? Yeah, he was already wow. a producer in Hollywood um, oh, okay. before he starred. Um, you know who might know him? Mark Thompson? You might know him. You should ask him. Um, he'll, they'll start filming the new season in Koi Samoy, Ko Samoy, Samui, uh, Phuket and Bangkok, Thailand. So three locations in Thailand. I'm interested to see Patrick Schwarzenegger. And I didn't, I've never seen anyone else from that family act before. So, all right. Well, have we seen anyone from that family actually act? <laughs> That's funny. Good stuff. <laughs> That's pretty uh, funny. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to take her away. I tried to, end, yeah, I took down the F- Jodie Foster. You put her back up. I'm sorry. Um, oh, oh, Madonna. Oh, oh, I didn't do that. Madonna is being sued for being late. 
Two what? hours late. Yeah. She um, advertised a concert as starting at, I think, 8 p.m. 8, 8.30. 8.30. And this is in Brooklyn. It's part of her celebration tour. And this couple comes to the concert. They're there at 8.30 p.m. The show doesn't start until 10.30. And apparently wow. she did this on all three nights when the tickets advertised 8.30 and she comes two hours later. Uh, they She's accused... known for that. Like is, many, is she? Yeah, like many musicians. The Lauren Hill. Rude. The people are accusing her of false advertising and negligent misrepresentation after starting her concerts two hours later. The suit claims most concert goers left the venue after one o'clock in the morning every night, causing them significant inconvenience, including being confronted with limited public transportation, limited ride sharing, and or increased public private transportation costs at that late hour. In addition, many ticket holders who attended the concerts on a weeknight had to get up early to go to work and or take care of family responsibilities the next day. So they, it looks like they want damages defendants have collected money for concert tickets from plaintiffs and other class members who reasonably believe the concerts would begin promptly at 8 30 had plaintiffs and other class members known the concerts would start after 10 30 at night they never would have agreed to purchase the tickets so madonna at the center of this lawsuit i'm your number one fan number one in, in terms of suing you um <laughs> 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 oh, Busted. Yeah, not pretty. Uh, an author now says that she's used uh, used ChatGPT to write parts of her novel. What? Japanese author who wrote one of Japan's most prestigious literary awards, or who won one of uh, Japan's most prestigious literary awards for her novel, in which AI played a central role, revealed that the AI chatbot wrote part of the book. Uh, Ri Kadan's novel, The Tokyo Tower of Sympathy, took home the Akatagawa Prize on Wednesday, with judges lauding the book as flawless. <laughs> That's funny. After the ceremony, Kanen uh, admitted that fi uh, around 5% of her novel had been quoted verbatim from sentences generated by ChatGPT. I made active use of generative AI like ChatGPT in writing the book, she said at a ceremony after receiving the award. Um, the novel centers around a female architect in an alternate near future in which ai has become a central and integral part of daily life maybe it was just uh previewing what's to come right yeah um kadan uh said that she turned the chat gpt on to reproduce the way soft and fuzzy words blur ideas about justice in recent years we find ourselves in a situation in which words have expanded without limit and permitted unlimited interpretations did you catch that no. i want to use the words with care and to think about the positive and negative aspects of language uh, social media users were divided over her use of the chatbot to produce portions of the novel. I wonder, was this legitimate creative use of AI? Wrote one uh, user on Twitter. Uh, she says that she plans to keep good relationships with AI. What? And unleash, I think this is a, like a lost in translation thing. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to keep a good relationship with that AI because I don't want that AI to kill me. Uh, <laughs> and use it to unleash her creativity or or creativity that's not hers right i don't know i don't think you should uh if, you, if you're going to do that i think it should be uh clearly indicated and marked up front up front not like once you get caught 
But no. tell people at the very get-go, listen, I wrote italics. this book. It was my idea, but AI did help me write this book. Tell people yeah. that. And then it's not such a bad thing, right? Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner's lady, her name is Crystal. She is talking now about exactly how Hugh Hefner expected her to look. And one of the things she says is that he thought belly button rings were trashy. And hmm. so um, her late husband, she hears him in her head when she thinks about her appearance. She's telling some more secrets about him in advance of her new behind the scenes memoir being released. It's called Only Say Good Things, Surviving Playboy and Finding Myself. He died in 2017 when he was 91. But Crystal says... She doesn't have a belly button ring because Hugh thinks oh, that's and she's like, trashy. She's 37 now. Yeah, she still hears <laughs> his voice in her head. She said um, he had very specific preferences about her hair and her nails. Our, she said our nail polish are meaning like all the you know ladies in the house the, that lived in the Playboy Mansion couldn't be anything more than but a neutral color. No French manicure, nothing like that. He would call her out if her um, dark roots started showing because she's dyed blonde. Um, she'd have to go bleach it. She said it would burn my scalp and I'd have blisters. But for some reason, I thought this was all normal. That's what it meant to be seen as beautiful in Hef's eyes. He had very specific things about exactly how they want. he wanted her to look. Uh, yeah, if you didn't realize that he was creepy to begin with, like right. really... I mean, yeah. know. did you see the other article that um, I think she's claiming that he had serious addiction to opiates? Oh, really? No, I didn't see that yeah. one. And the, the staff feared that he died from over that he would die from overdose. Oh, gosh. Uh, this is going to come out in the uh, in the new memoir. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, I like it says she's an entrepreneur. That's like the most generic, like <laughs> <laughs> hustling uh, title uh, for men and women. Right? I I love this story about plants caught communicating with each other what yeah, in the we're back world to, uh, we're back to japan mm. uh, a group of japanese scientists have successfully filmed plants communicating and warning others about potential dangers in real time making a breakthrough in an observation first documented in the uh, early 1980s what they observed published in the journal nature communications in uh, october of last year the research team led by molecular <laughs> biologist matsusuga toyota oh i he, he's, he must be loaded um, from Japan's <laughs> Saitama University, successfully captured undamaged plants, sending defense responses to nearby plants after sensing volatile organic compounds or VOCs, which are produced by other plants in response to mechanical damages or insect attacks. Uh, the team, which How do included, they send messages? Uh, well, I'm about to tell you. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. They attached, they attached <laughs> an air pump to a container filled with leaves and caterpillars and to another chamber containing um, a common weed from the mustard family. Uh, it was genetically modified to make their cells fluoresce green after detecting calcium ions, which serve as stress messengers. The team then used a fluorescence microscope to monitor the signals and uh, the undamaged plants released after receiving the VOCs from the damaged leaves. So it's, it's volatile organic compounds that were mm -hmm. sending the message. Uh, plant communication was first observed in a study in 1983, igniting discussions in the scientific community ever since. So the study people have been on it. Uh, 
taking their time, though. We have finally unveiled the intricate story of when, where, and how plants respond to airborne warning messages from their threatened neighbors, uh, according to Toyota. Uh, this ethereal communications network hidden from our view plays a pivotal role in safeguarding neighboring plants from imminent threats in a timely manner. Um, I wonder how they respond. <laughs> like, oh, no, they're coming for me. They're going to bite me and chew me up. Hmm. But uh, interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. Well, we might have time for another story, and it's also a communications-related story. You've heard for about SETI, right? The search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Right. Right. Yeah. Have you heard of Medi? Medi no. is Meta. <laughs> Medi M E T I kind of goes along with this. Medi is concerning the possibility of communicating with alien intelligence, making meaningful contact. Um, and so it's about, okay, well, when we find them, or if they come here, or if we're able to reach them in some way, how do we make meaningful contact? How are we going to message them? How are we going to communicate with them? And so they're talking about the importance of communicating our intentions and the uh, rationale for many messages, whether there's a universal grammar of the sort we see across languages on earth could hold more broadly true in the universe or not. Um, they say one of the things that is important is getting the message across and your content of your message. You also want to communicate your intentions. So the common objection, uh, one of their, um, the people object to Medi is that we might alert hostile extraterrestrials to our existence and provoke an alien invasion. They say in, in reality, any civilization with the capacity to travel between the stars also has the technology to pick up the accidental radio and TV signals that have been leaking off into space for the past century. So any aliens picking up our targeted messages won't be surprised to know that we exist. What will surprise them maybe is that we're attempting to start a conversation. That's the point of Medi, to get our across our intention of making the first contract. Well, they're still receiving um, you contact. Know, the, uh, the contact through uh, the... Uh... Kim McAllister newscast that went out on a 10 a.m. Right. Over the yeah. decades. They can yeah. hear me. Yeah. They're doing like, oh, all that discussion things. down there. That's interesting. And then they're like, oh, traffic and weather. That's awfully important to them. Traffic and weather. The together. messages that they have sent off into space so far have relied on universal principles of math and science as a starting point. But they're wondering if maybe there's something more basic. Long before humans had math and science, we had language. So maybe the same is true on planets orbiting other stars. They're maybe we should send cat, cat videos. <laughs> That's universal. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. That's what the internet is, right? So why not just send out cat videos? I think that would be good. Yeah. That's it. Well, that's it. That's the end of the, the show. Best weekend. Honestly, we hope you guys have a great time, whether you're watching the 49ers game, going to see a movie, or just staying inside and dry. Have a wonderful weekend. We will see you right back here on Monday. We've already got a lot of great stories lined up for Monday as well. And I hope you have a great weekend, John Daly. You as well. And we want to thank yeah. our ongoing contributors, Brian V and Jim L. And then we want to thank Wes T for Wes. $5. Beth for $20. Thank Happy you, Friday. And Louise for the demonetization Louise. offset fund, which we need. Uh, we are a small budget operation. Yeah. So if you like the show, please uh, consider contributing. That's all and I got. Have a great before afternoon. Before you Can leave, click like and subscribe. 
on the way out the door, click that like button. Like totally. Like, Have a good weekend. Like, for sure, for sure. Bye, everybody. Bye.